Welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, your source of all things IFRS, technical accounting matters, business issues, current standard setting and regulatory updates. I'm your host, Ruth Creedy. In this episode, I'm joined by Ian Selfridge, who is a business combinations partner in the UK. And we're going to be talking about the spectrum of control. And I just we were just laughing because I've written on my bit of paper. It sounds exciting, but as if it's not really exciting, but it is Ian, isn't it? It, it is. It keeps some of us very occupied for most of the week. <laughs> and Ian's told me he's got his podcast tie on today, everyone. So you can't see, but it looks very, very special. It's definitely worth getting out of the cupboard on the odd occasions. <laughs> Okay, so what? first of all, we start at the top. What, what are we talking about when we say what is the spectrum of control? So the basic question you want to know is, do I control something? Am I in charge? Am I telling people what to do? Through to that I don't have any influence or control at all, and that's something that has nothing to do with me. So that's the spectrum. Um, am I in charge or am I not in charge? The interesting bit is sometimes in the middle when I'm maybe a little bit in charge, mm-hmm. but possibly with somebody else, or I might be able to suggest things. Okay. So that's the spectrum. Okay, so we'll start at the top of the right. spectrum then. We have done a couple of podcasts before on IFRS 10 control yep. and got into you know quite a lot of detail, but just at a high level, just give us a reminder, what is, you know, I've got control, what does that mean? So if you're in control, as the word implies, it's, you can make things happen. And so in the accounting terminology, you talk about relevant activities. So you look at a particular entity and you determine what it does, and those are its relevant activities. If you can direct those to your advantage, you're in control. Okay. And do you just look at things like, I've got over 50% shares? That's definitely a starting point, because you, the, the, normally if people understand, you know, one share, one vote, if you have more than half the shares, you can make things happen. So a very good indicator of control is you have more than 50% of the shares. And it gets a bit complicated when you only have 50% of shares, because then you have to ask yourself, well, who's got the other 50%? Is it one other person? And are you kind of arguing with each other? Or is it lots and lots of people where your 50% basically is, you know, is the really big lump? The nearer you get to 100%, the much more obvious it is you're in charge. That's floating. Yeah. Life is never that simple sometimes. <laughs> so often you might come across arrangements where the votes are important, but other things get in the way or, or help you understand who's in charge. So who's actually sitting on the board of directors? Who gets to, who gets to make the decisions is where it comes down to. Occasionally, you have an agreement that says, ignore the votes. The agreement says that Ruth is in charge and Ian is not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, votes are one thing, but like you said, it's really about who makes decisions over the relevant activities. If we, so that's like the end of the spectrum. If you do have control, what's the accounting consequence of that? Right. So, what the accountants say is, if you've got control, you are in charge of all of the numbers of this entity. So, in your consolidation, so that's when you group together all of the entities you can you control, you put all of their results in. So you put all of their trading, their income and their expenses into your profit and loss account, and you put all of their assets and liabilities on the balance sheet because you control that. If you own 100%, that's really easy. It's yeah. all yours. It's your universe. It's in your account. It's a bit more interesting when there are other shareholders in the thing that you control, uh, and we call them non-controlling interests um, because they have an interest, but they don't get control. <laughs> it's, it's, it used to be called minority yeah. interests, but non-controlling interests is probably a, a more accurate term. There, so if you remember, we control. So we're going to show all of the numbers on our income statement and on our balance sheet. But then we have to admit that actually it's not all ours. So at the bottom in the equity reconciliation, we basically allocate the earnings for the year between us, the controlling party. Let's say we've got 80%. And then the 20% that belongs to the non-controlling interests, that gets allocated to them in a separate little reserve. So you can see the big picture, 
But then you can remember at the end of the day, actually only 80% of, the, of this might be ours, even though we're in charge of all of it. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So right at the end of the spectrum, you've got control. Yeah. If you've got control, effectively, you show that ownership by right. consolidating everything together. And then in equity, you show anything you don't own. Yes. Okay, perfect. So you mentioned when we were talking about share ownership, and I know it's not just on share yeah. ownership, but we'll keep it basic. What if we owned, you and me, went into some sort of agreement, we yes. had 50-50? Who controls that? That gets quite interesting because the first question we would have to ask is, does yeah. one of us control? Yeah. If we're both at 50-50 and we vote, then that doesn't look like either of us is in charge. Yeah. But then you have to decide, it's the next level on our spectrum, we move into something called joint control. Are we sharing control? Which means that, and, and the accountants say that they're quite good, the tight definition of this. To share control, you both have to agree. So if we can both disagree with the other party and things don't happen, that doesn't necessarily mean we have joint control. Yeah. But if we have something that says we must always vote to agree and we have to be unanimous, again, for the things that are really important, those relevant activities, you would have joint control. Yeah. Okay. Well, now that's quite hard, like to get yes. two parties to agree on everything. Yes. So how is it that actually joint control, does it happen that much in practice? It is quite common in certain parts of the world, certain parts of the industry that you work in, where you have different parties who commercially and economically know that they need to work together to get to a desired outcome, or they'll both make money. And so you enter into these joint arrangements, they're called, and you're right, they tend to be a little bit more complicated than just a normal business running. And so therefore, there is almost always an agreement in place. And that agreement will specify the things that we have to agree on and the things that we don't need to agree on. What you would determine for joint control is the things we don't need to agree on are that important, or yeah. they're just protecting your interests. But where the things we do need to agree on, there'll then be a mechanism in that agreement that says, this is how we make sure that we share control. One of the next questions, well, what happens when we disagree and we fall yeah, out? Yeah. You know, usually you find in these agreements a really good indicator of joint control is some quite good arbitration proceedings. Yeah. Usually you have to go and find someone who's kind of independent to both of you to sit in a room and help you through. And the better written ones go through various levels of basically moving it further and further up the tree of importance yeah. to say, are we really disagreeing here? And ultimately you might get to the point that we really can't agree on what we're going to do, let's unwind and separate. Yeah. So those kind of things, when you see those in an agreement, you have to think about, well, why did you put those in? That probably means that there isn't one person in control or yeah. sharing. I actually find sometimes people think they've got joint control and then they found like this escalation yes. thing, but usually at some point there's like, but this party then has the deciding vote and yes. they miss that element of the contract. And actually it means that party ends up probably having control. Yeah, so a typical kind of waterfall would be, we can't agree, we'll go and get an independent arbitrator. Yeah. We still can't agree, we'll go and find our CEO and your CEO and yeah. they'll have a fireside <laughs> chat, yeah. you know, and they can't agree. Yeah. Then we get to the point where we said, okay, this is just not working. And then you're right, one of them might say, all right, we've tried all this, I'm going to tell you what happened. Yeah. You know, and that, that would imply control for that party that says, I'm going to tell you what happened. But if it got to the point that we really can't agree, here is the mechanism how we will unwind. You know, we will have to offer our shares for sale and yeah. pay fair value or market price for that. That could be a pretty good indicator that you do actually share control. Okay, brilliant. So if we don't have control, next question we ask ourselves is joint control. Again, just so that our listeners yes. know, what's the implication if you've got joint control? So joint control in terms of accounting is a bit different. So when we were on control, you put everything on your balance sheet because yeah. you're controlling it. In joint control, actually what you start with saying we have a joint arrangement. Yeah. Then to make it a little bit more interesting, i.e. complicated, yeah. there are two types of joint arrangements. Used to be three. <laughs> Used to be three, but there are two types there. So we have what we call a joint venture yeah. or a joint operation. The simple one, a joint venture, 
is that we are co-invested in another vehicle. Yeah. So a legal entity that has assets and liabilities and operations inside it. That joint venture, we would so let's say we have a 50-50 stake each. Yeah. So half of this stuff belongs to me. I don't consolidate it in full. I do something called equity accounts, which is basically I put a one number in, in my income statement for my share yeah. for 50% of the trading. But that, that's called equity accounting. The other joint arrangement you might have is where actually the assets and liabilities of the joint arrangement don't necessarily sit in a legal vehicle. They're just a collection uh, together. And there you usually find that the, the, the joint operators of the, or the joint um, uh, venture investors, they all own various bits and pieces of the assets and liabilities. And what the rules say is, well, you put your share of the assets and liabilities that are yours on your balance sheet and you share your income. Yeah. So that, that looks a little bit like consolidating, but you don't put everything on, just the bit that belongs bit, to you. Yeah. I don't know if I'm a bit old school, but I was quite a fan of proportionate consolidation back in the day. Yes, that was I think one. I'm not a fan of equity accounting, that might be all right. No, no, so equity can be complicated. And, and there is a third way, which makes it, again, this is why I have this job and, yeah. and, and people ask me lots of questions, is that you might have a legal entity, which on yeah. the first blush looks like a joint venture. But depending on various circumstances, you might say, oh, we'll ignore that, and we'll go and find out bits of assets and liabilities. Yeah. And we'll kind of proportionally consolidated, yeah. you're saying, you know, your share of assets and liabilities. Yeah. So joint venture joint operation accounting can be quite tricky complicated we could have let's write we've got another podcast there yeah, well, i'm always yeah. looking for ideas yeah. good running in um, okay so we've not got control we've yeah. not got joint control let's say we've got 20 percent of the shares in a company what right. might i be thinking about then okay so as you say so so i'm definitely not in charge in fact i haven't even agreed with someone else that will share control but i've got an investment and at more than 20 percent chunky investment, a chunky investment. <laughs> once you're above 20 percent you, you have this excellent term in accounting called significant influence. You know, it's a bit like the, the parent of a child. You know, okay, now parents of children are going to be in control. Like I significant no, influence but, often. <laughs> but no, so, so a parent will probably, I think I'm in control of my children for at least for a certain number of years. But perhaps your older brother yeah. might consider they have significant influence over you, as in they can suggest quite strongly what you think you should be doing next. So that's what significant influence is about, yeah. is the fact that although you're not in charge, you do have the ability to, to, to make a controlling party stop, pause and think and listen to what you say. They don't have to follow what you do because you don't have control, but yeah. you get a seat at the table and you get to have those conversations and you get to say, I've got a 25, 30% interest in this business and I quite like you to go down route A rather than route B. Yeah, and just the seat at the table is quite yes. it's a good summary of it, is yeah. it? Because you're looking out for things like they can maybe appoint a director and that yes. director can have a say and things like that. But that's right, and when you're looking about do you exert significant influence, one of the things you, you start with is, well, how many votes have you got? If you've got more than 20%, we have a what we call a rebuttable presumption. Yeah. We assume that you have significant influence and then you have to work to say, no, I don't really. Yeah. But if you don't have 20%, then you will look at other things. And I say a seat at the board. So if I'm one of the five to 10 people who make all the decisions, I've definitely got more influence than anybody else in the, who's an investor who can't get in the room when those meetings take place. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I'll often get people go, well, I've got 18%. Mm. <laughs> so that doesn't need a rebuttable presumption, but then you need to look at things like that. But that's right. And there's a lot of substance and what happens in the world. You know, Actually, what happens in practice is the kind of questions you usually to ask if you can't point to an obvious 20% plus if you've got a seat on the board my usual starting point is I feel you've got some significant influence yeah. because even if everyone ignores you when you shout in the corner you're still in the room so. <laughs> perfect okay so we've got this concept of significant influence yeah. and then you have something called an associate yes. how do you account for that associate so associate accounting um, is equity accounting again. Favorite. It's, it's your favourite. So it's it's like the joint control where we're in a legal vehicle, a joint venture. And again, it's our share of the results for the year in a single line on the income statement. 
Yeah. I think, I don't know why I don't like equity accounting. It's just like when you get into it, there's so many things you think, oh, I literally don't know what to do with this. It's not, it seems to be open holes. It, it, does, it, it, it gets a bit complicated when you who are, you're the investor in your significantly influenced associate. Yeah. It gets a bit complicated when you start trading with them. Yeah. You know, you either buy and sell things or you lend them money or they lend you money. It, all of those, because it's not a proper consolidation, yeah. you tend to find when you go look in the accounting literature, well, there's a hole, as you say. Yeah. It just doesn't say what to do. So sensible people like you and me come up with an answer, which most people would agree with, but other yeah. people would say, uh, is there an alternative way? Yeah. So it does take quite a lot of conversation. Yeah, good old equity. Well, keeps us busy. It does Which is a good thing. So maybe we, maybe I should learn to love equity accounting. Okay, so not got control, not got joint control, don't even have a seat at the table. What's my last bucket? Uh, well, you, you're now falling down to I've got an investment in something. Yeah. So I have an investment where just I have a stake in uh, an entity, but I have no way of influence. I definitely can't control. I just sit there and wait for my dividend flow. So you, you're in the in the sexy world of this. This is a financial instrument. <laughs> I love so, it how you describe that as a sexy world. Well, I would have said the spectrum of control. The you know the chunky bit is. The well, I, I was being charitable to my financial instrument colleagues <laughs> because this is the one where you push off in their direction and say this is just a financial asset that will hopefully generate some cash flows in the future. Yeah. And so you you come out of my world of business combinations and you're looking at recording that effectively at what you pay for it and typically a fair value going forward because it's a bit like investing in a share on the stock market. Yeah. It's a little bit more complicated when you invest in a share that's not on the stock market and it's private. You have a valuation question and, and, and yeah. challenges with the measurement. But broadly speaking, it sits on your balance sheet as an asset and as and when you receive dividends, which because you don't control, because you don't significantly influence, you have no ability to make that flow happen. You have to just wait for it to turn up. Those you just recognise in the income statement that didn't. Yeah. Okay. So then we hit at this point where we maybe got I don't know five, maybe ten yeah. percent, but we end up into effectively IFRS nine financial instruments, yes. and this is when we hand over to like Ian says our other colleagues who will, right. maybe we, we haven't had a podcast on IFRS nine for a while. We'll get Sandra back in the studio and we'll talk yeah. about equity instruments under the new standard. Perfect. So that's been really helpful. We've looked at the full scope. Yes. So if you've got any sort of, it's, we've talked about shareholdings, but it's not yeah. always about ownership, as you said up front. Actually, control could be you've got another contractual agreement that talks about how you make decisions. But we've talked about, how, you know, where you actually have a big, you've got a lot of power over a company, yes. and you've got control all the way down to you just own a few shares. It is, and it's worth saying that this, this spectrum is a kind of continuum. Yeah. There is no bright line that says, oh, at this point, it's definitely control or it's definitely joint control. Yeah. And so what we spend a lot of time doing, talking to companies, is around working out exactly where it is. And so you often end up making a critical judgment on this. I have decided for the following reasons that we have joint control but not control. And you, when you look at a set of accounts, where someone has made those critical judgments, you should see some disclosure to help you yeah. as a reader understand where you are on that spectrum when it's not really obvious. Yeah, because as we talked about, the accounting is quite different. So yes. they're big decisions. That's right. And there are step changes when you move through those things in terms of the accounting impact. Yeah. Yeah, we've not talked about moving up and down either. Oh, you might oh, buy or sell shares. Oh, oh, we've got so much to talk about. Well, unfortunately, we've come to the end of our time, Ian. But what I've noted down is we can do a podcast on joint, joint control. Equity, I feel like even if, you know, someone's walking to work, they might fall asleep. <laughs> equity. Well, we could do equity accounting. We could, we could try. And maybe buying and selling shares as well. Yeah. So thank you so much for your JV in the studio definitely come back soon i am your host ruth preedy happy accounting the preceding program was brought to you by price waterhouse coopers llp this content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors